So everyone talks about the importance of discovering or developing your signature style in art or design. When you're just starting out, or if you have many different interests or media, this can feel impossible to figure out. In this episode, we'll talk about the reasons for having your own style, whether or not it's important, and how to develop your signature style. So let's get started. Hi, this is Laura Lee Griffin. And this is Nikki May with the Stardust Society, inspiring you to stop getting in your own way and start building an art biz and life that you love. We are artists who believe strongly in the power of community, accountability, following your intuition, taking small, actionable steps, and breaking down the barriers of fear and procrastination that keep you stuck. Follow along with us on our creative business journey as we encourage you on yours. So Nikki, what is a signature style anyway? Well, it's more than just the medium you use or the subject matter you choose. Your signature style for your art is a combination of the subject matter, the media and techniques that you use in your work. It's what distinguishes you from other artists, and it's what makes it so that your work is instantly recognizable from others. Really, it's what makes you stand out. So who do you think has a strong signature style? One person that always comes to mind when I think about unique styles is Lisa Congdon. You can see a piece of hers across any of the many techniques and industries that she works in, and you'll immediately know that it's hers. Right. Who comes to mind for you, Laura? Well, I agree with you. You know, Lisa is immediately recognizable, but there are literally hundreds of people that I could call out that have unique styles. All right, but you don't want to edit an episode that's 10 hours long, so let's <laughs> pick one or two, okay? <laughs> well, in the illustration world, one person who has a really distinct style is Helen Dardick. She creates both monotone and super bright gouache and watercolor whimsical works, just filled with quirky little characters and flora and fauna. And I can always tell her work right away. And in the surface pattern design world, I think Kate Reese has a really distinct graphic design style. Mm, yeah. She uses bold color and she's developed her clean style by doing lots of pattern challenges. Yeah, her patterns have kind of a mid-century modern vibe to them. And mm -hmm. most of them are directional, um, but I find them really beautiful. I especially loved the series she did on birds, like a hundred different bird patterns. They're really gorgeous. They really are. And in the fine art world, I think we can think of some of the people that we view as masters, like Rothko had a very signature style, which was largely similar to giant color swatches on a piece of canvas, but no one had done that before. Don't let the art historians hear you say that, Laura. <laughs> I know I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to be put in art history jail or something. <laughs> As well you should be. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's also Mondrian, who used yellow, red, and blue squares with black lines and that geometry that was uniquely his. Very recognizable style. Right. So we can find examples of strong signature styles all over the place. But Laura, do you feel like you have a signature style? Well, I work in a lot of different media, and I don't think I have one single strong style that dominates all of them. But I do think that I have a unique style in each medium, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. my watercolor florals are bright and whimsical and loose. And the way that my hand makes flowers is uniquely mine, no matter how how I might try to change it. It's just the way that my hand draws flowers. Right. Um, 
my digital stamps are um, usually black and white line drawings, and they're very whimsical. My digital portraits, on the other hand, are far more realistic. And you can see a sampling on my website portfolio, and you can tell that each one has a connecting style with the way that I blend skin tones together. Um, I tend to use a fun watercolor splash background for consistency. Um, and then my digital illustrations and repeat patterns tend to be more classic designs, and I haven't fully defined that style there yet, but I do tend to use bold color um, as well and inject a little whimsy in those. How about you, Nikki? Well, in one way, I feel like I have a style for each different kind of work I do or each media like you, Laura. Mm -hmm. For example, my illustrations and surface design work are drawn digitally in Procreate. Um, mm -hmm. And I use strong, detailed black line work and bright areas of flat color. Right. When I draw on paper, it's just black and white drawings, no color. Uh, I also do collage and encaustic mixed media where I combine found papers, my own photography, and my drawings. Mm -hmm. And also jewelry where I use hand-drawn little slices of tree branches and copper findings. It sounds like a ton of different crazy things. And at first glance, it looks like they have nothing in common, but they all have a few things in common. First, they all have my detailed organic black line drawings that are either the basis of the work or in the case of my encaustic and collage work, the final element that kind of pulls the whole piece together. Okay. Um, and the other consistent thread through all of my work is the subject matter. It's always organic, natural elements. It's either nude women, flowers, plants, insects, so that even though it looks like a ton of different things, there's something consistent throughout. Yeah, I think you do have a very um, organic look and you do have that strong also sort of graphic design mm -hmm. element of that strong black line. But it looks really beautiful. So I can definitely tell that all of those different media come from the same hand, even though they're very different types of work of art and using color differently as well. Thank you, Laura. So... Why is it important to have a signature style? Well, for one thing, agents and galleries specifically want to know that they have the audience for your particular style and want to know that you complement the other artists that they represent. If you haven't listened to our episodes number 74 and 75 with Hina Alvarado on getting gallery representation, you should definitely check those out. This is one of the things that we talk about. Yeah, and it can also help with name or brand recognition, you absolutely want people to be able to see your art and immediately say, oh yeah, that's Nikki May. <laughs> it will help you get better and faster as well. So once you get past the experimentation state with your work, you'll discover that going deep into one area or one style allows you to improve much faster than if you were making a bunch of different kinds of art. But I have to admit, I still enjoy doing lots of different kinds of art. So maybe that's my problem, Nikki. <laughs> I don't think that has to be a problem, Laura. <laughs> I think as long as each different thing you do has its own style, you're fine. Mm -hmm. Different collections can look different. And the more you do, the more you'll find that your own hand can be seen in the work, no matter what the medium. Well, depending on your goal, being able to produce work in different styles could actually work to your benefit. For example, if you're a freelance surface pattern designer, companies may want to know that you can create work in multiple styles easily. However, if you want to license your work with your name attached, then it'll be very important for you to have a distinct signature style. 
Yeah. And I would say there's definitely room for both of these ways of working. Just know the industry you're most interested in and what the gatekeepers in each are looking for. Mm -hmm. But you can always do things your own way and find a place in the art and design world for it. So, Laura, how do you develop your signature style? Well, Lisa Congdon wrote a great book called Find Your Artistic Voice, The Essential Guide to Working Your Creative Magic, which it has a lot of really great advice, interviews with other artists, and it's also just really nice to look at. Um, We'll definitely link to it in the show notes, uh, but we have some of our own ideas, too. Yeah, so the first step is just make a lot of art. Do Mm -hmm. it every day. Try different materials. Try different subject matter. You could try doing a 30-day, at least, more is better, (laughs) challenge where you try drawing or painting the same subject every day for 30 days, and you'll see your natural style start to emerge. Or you could use different media and techniques each day for 30 days. Yes, and study your own art. Bring together a collection of the work that you've made and think about what you enjoyed most and what you didn't like in the process, like what techniques or styles or subjects are coming up again and again in your work. And as Marie Kondo says, what sparks the most joy? (laughs) You can also study the work of artists that you love. What is it about their work that you're drawn to? Is it media and technique? subject matter, the story behind the work, Mm -hmm. look at a bunch of different artists work and see what the ones that you love have in common. And Nikki, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I think there's a different way to look at this. If you spend a lot of your time looking at other artists work that you love, you're one, not doing the work and practicing as much as you know, you could, Um, we know social media is a huge rabbit hole. I mean, have you ever sat there and realized you've been scrolling through your Instagram feed for 45 minutes? Or is that just me? Of course not. (laughs) (laughs) And two, um, you can get very heavily influenced by what others are doing and the trends out on social media versus actually following your own intuition and making the artwork that is uniquely you. I don't disagree with you, Laura, but I think there's a time and place for both. You definitely want to spend way more time making your own work and making Mm -hmm. a lot of it. But I don't think it's a bad thing to also look at the work of other artists for inspiration. Just make sure that you keep the balance weighted a lot more towards making your own unique art. And if you don't know where to start towards developing your style and you aren't sure yet what you love or what you're drawn to, go to Pinterest. This is an exercise I use with my branding and web design clients that works for art as well. Create an inspiration board. Start pinning things that you're visually drawn to. It could be other artists' work, art that looks like it would be fun to do, art that speaks to you in some way, mm-hmm. or that you'd like to have in your house or on products that you own. Do this for a while and you'll start to be able to recognize themes and styles that you're just naturally drawn to. And it's even okay to copy other artists' work while you're learning and developing your own style. It's never okay to sell work that was directly copied from someone else or to present it on social media as your own without giving them credit. But it's okay to do it as a learning exercise. You might set a challenge to yourself to copy your very favorite painting 30 times. You'll likely find that at first you struggle to make it look like the original, but as you keep working, you'll stop trying to copy it exactly and you'll see your own style emerge until it's no longer a copy of the original painting. Yeah, there's a whole book on this topic that I know we both love, and I'm sure we've mentioned it before. Austin Kleon's Steal Like an Artist. 
Mm -hmm. And then there's also the practice in classical art studies of painting in museums, copying work from the masters. It's just got to be a small part of your learning process, not a crutch. Yeah, Brooke Glazer actually has a Skillshare class on this topic. And there are some really great exercises where you can take one reference image and try to paint it three to five different ways with different techniques. And they may not have been styles you even thought of using before. But in the process, you'll see what feels natural, what you enjoy, and you'll start to repeat those techniques and style and merge them into something that is uniquely you. That's awesome. I might have to check out that class myself and we'll, of course, link to it in the show notes. Yeah, it's a great class. But if you only copy what other people are doing, you're never going to develop a style of your own. And remember, as you're doing this, you do not have to share the process with the world. Not every painting or drawing or illustration or pattern makes it to Instagram, and that is fine. (laughs) Right. That's definitely a good point. But I actually wish that I had the guts to show more of the messy middle, the learning part, rather than just the finished work in my intentional style, you know? Well, that's a topic for another podcast episode. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Let's move on. (laughs) Okay, so as you're working on your own style, think about the message behind your art. What are you trying to say? Why are you making the art? What is it about the subject matter that you're drawn to? What are you saying about the things that you choose to draw or paint? Yeah, as an example, one of my very favorite subjects to draw is the female nude, Mm -hmm. but not the typical thin magazine model type. Right. I like to draw a variety of body sizes, but I lean toward larger, rounder bodies that are more like my own. And I've kind of gotten to be known for drawing bodies that regular people can see themselves in, which is something that really speaks to me, but is also very relatable to my buyers. And they're beautiful. Thank you. So the next suggestion we have is to make work that you love making and love seeing and use colors that make your heart skip a beat. Don't just make the work that you think will sell. Trends have their place, but the most successful pieces many artists have commercially are the pieces that they just made for themselves first. This reminds me of Stacey Bloomfield of Gingerbur, who we interviewed in episode 19. She shifted her business a few years back into creating a lot of illustrations with uplifting and motivational messages um, like Give Yourself Margin, which also happens to be the title of her book. And these began selling like wildfire because in creating art that she needed to see herself, she spoke really deeply to her customers as well. And if you enjoy working in different media or even experimenting in different styles, you can tie all of your work together using a go-to signature color palette. If you choose, say, 20 to 30 colors that you consistently use over and over in your work, people will be able to begin tying that color palette to your style. Laura, have you really narrowed your work to a limited color palette? (laughs) Hey, I tried to narrow it down to 30, but I have like 40. So there. But part of my style is using lots of color, so it doesn't bother me to use more. So you're not choosing this particular method of developing your style. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Nikki, think about all the colors in the rainbow spectrum. (laughs) There are thousands of colors, so narrowing it down to 40 isn't so bad. True, true. (laughs) So another tip is to write about your work. Maybe you'll blog about it. Maybe you'll write about the pieces you're posting on Instagram, or maybe you're just going to jot notes about what you're working on in your sketchbook. 
but writing about what you're creating will help you focus, discover why you're doing what you're doing and what it might mean. There's a couple of great books that can help you with this idea. Um, There's one that's called A Short Guide to Writing About Art by Sylvan Barnett. And another one is How to Write About Contemporary Art by Gilda Williams. We'll link to those in the show notes. And the final suggestion we have is to repeat all of these steps. Yeah, this might be the most important step of all. (laughs) Just keep doing it. Keep making art and your style will show itself. Now it's your turn. Share with us in the Stardust Society Facebook group your thoughts on having a signature style. Or tag us on Instagram at Stardust Society so we can see the work you're doing to develop your signature style. For links to all the resources we mentioned and to read today's Stardust Society show notes, go to stardustsociety.com slash style. If you've enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star rating and review. Reviews help us reach more Stardusts like you and keep us inspired to create new episodes. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.